Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. Good day, everyone. Hope you are doing fantastic. It's great that you took the time to tune in and so lovely to see you. And a big welcome to all of the C3 family and any of you that are uh, in prison or you're listening in while you're traveling. So glad that you took the time to join us. You might be looking, thinking, who is this guy? Well, my name's Steve. And as you'll see from this picture, I'm married to my beautiful wife, Rachel. We've got two children. One is Melody, who lives in Australia, and another little Mercy, who's not that little anymore. And as you look at that picture, I suspect I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, how the heck did he get her, you little tinkers? Well, I am blessed with a beautiful family. But you know what? We love this church, and we love your pastors. Steve and Angie Campbell are absolutely world-class, and we have loved getting to know them, and we so appreciate them. But we're going to come around the Word together. So wherever you are, why don't you join me as we pray a prayer together. Jesus, I want to thank you that you see every person. You know what's going on. You you know their hearts. You know even the hairs on their head. And so right now, as we come around your word, we pray for your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts, to encourage and inspire us. And we ask these things together in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Thank you so much. Well, in September the 18th of 2008, a hurricane swept through Texas. There was winds of 146 miles per hour. And I've got a picture here. It's an incredible picture of the aftermath of the hurricane in a town called Galveston, Texas. Just look at this. How amazing that in the middle of all that devastation, there was one house that was still standing. Why was it still standing? Because it was built to hurricane standards. Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. He said, everyone, that includes you, who hears my teaching and applies it to his life or her life, can be compared to a wise man who built his house on an unshakable foundation. And When the rains fell and the floods came and the fierce winds built upon his house, it stood firm because of its strong foundation. But everyone who hears my teaching and doesn't apply it to his life can be compared to a foolish man who built his house on sand. When it rained and rained and the floods came with winds and waves beating upon his house, it collapsed and was swept away. I want to encourage you to build your life, your family, your church on something that is unshakable, an unshakable foundation. Because the truth is, in your life and in my life, there will be seasons when the rains will fall, the floods will come, and the wind will blow. Viruses break out. Economies are shaking. Jesus knew this, and that's why he said in John 16, 33, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have tribulation. 
but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. I wonder when you hear a verse like that, which, which is the phrase that jumps out to you? For many years, I guess the phrase that would have jumped out to me was, you will have tribulation. Maybe you're a bit like me, a bit of English pessimism. But the reality is that little phrase is sandwiched between four other phrases that are life-giving. It says, I have spoken to you. How good that he still speaks. It says, in me, you may have peace, whatever you're going through, friend. Then it says, you'll have tribulation, but then it finishes with this. Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. It's a question. Which part of that verse are you focusing on? So often in life, the severity of the storms that surround us reflect the strength of the foundations within us. The older I get in life, the more I realize that our external challenges are only as powerful as our internal foundations allow them to be. When you focus on the tribulation, it produces fear. But when you focus on those other statements, it produces faith. So going back to Jesus' story, let's unpack it a little bit. Jesus is preaching probably the greatest sermon that's ever been preached. We know it as the Sermon on the Mount. And he refers to two types of people. Number one, those who hear and apply the word. And then secondly, those who only hear the word. Now think about that for a moment. What is Jesus saying? Listen to this. Jesus is saying it's not enough to hear the word. That's pretty incredible. He's saying it's not enough to only hear it because you have to apply the word. You know, God's Word is a bit like deodorant. You need to apply it. So if you're with someone, why don't you give them a little sniff and say to them, you need to apply it. Just give them a bit of encouragement wherever they are. God's Word needs to be applied. And in order to apply God's Word, think of these three Ps. Patterns, principles, and practices. When God spoke to Moses, He said, Build the tabernacle according to the pattern I show you on the mountain. Whatever you want to build in life, make sure you build according to the pattern of whatever God shows you. Whether that's your family, whether that's your marriage, whether it's your business, build according to the pattern that God shows you. So firstly, there are patterns. Secondly, there are principles. You're in a great church where every week you hear great principles from God's Word. But guess what? It's not enough to learn good principles. You need to apply good practices. I was in Norwich just yesterday and uh, I went to a men's toilet. And as I left the men's toilet, he's the good news, girls. Men actually washed their hands. That's right. They've known they should do it for many years, but now they're actually doing it. It's no longer just a principle. They are applying the practices. You know, I think we need to make sure we're applying the Word. We're applying those practices in our 
daily lives. In Ephesians 5, Jesus is talking about the way that he cleanses the church. And in Ephesians 5, 26, he says that he may sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. If you want to live a life free of viruses, you've got to listen to our government. You've got to wash your hands. We're all doing it. You've probably got dry hands. But also, as well as washing your hands, you need to wash your minds. Because fear is an infection of the mind. It's invisible, but it will attack you and discourage you. So how do you wash your mind? I'd like to encourage you that every time you pick up a bar of soap, why don't you also think about washing your mind? And we have this acronym. I know some of you may have seen it. It's SOAP. You're probably seeing it on the screen. The best way to wash your mind is to read God's Word. So S stands for Scripture. Church, I want to encourage you. Keep reading the Word. Don't just listen to the media constantly talking about coronavirus. Get the Word into you. Read this Scripture. And when you read a scripture, whether it's one chapter or three chapters, try and look for one verse. One verse that you can write out. So that's S, scripture. O stands for observations. When you read that piece of scripture, what do you see in it? What is God saying to you? Just write out a couple of observations. And then thirdly, A stands for application. So in light of this verse... What do you need to do? How do you apply the word in your life, in your mind? And then lastly, P stands for prayer. Take a moment to pray about whatever God has shown you. Let me encourage you, for those of you in isolation, for those of you in prison, let's keep applying the word. Have a good wash with soap. So that's an unshakable foundation. Hope you're still tuned in. You little tinkers, well done. Hope your cup of tea is there. So number two, unshakable faith. Romans 10 verse 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, but so does fear also. Fear comes by hearing. If all you're listening to is the news and social media, then fear can very easily rise up. Fear and anxiety, here's what they do. They erode your faith. I've got a really good friend in Australia. His name is Dr. Van Shaw. He was my academic supervisor when I did my master's. He is an incredibly bright chap. We call him Van Google. His name is Dr. Van Shaw, but literally he almost knows everything. He wrote his PhD thesis on the book of Revelation, 120,000 words. He is a very smart man. And so every now and again, I check in with him on FaceTime, and I was telling him that I was sharing this word from Matthew 7. And here's what he said to me. He said, Steve, Jesus has already dealt with the issue of fear and anxiety in Matthew chapter 6. And he says, do you know where that verse is? He's always checking up on me. This time I actually knew, Matthew 6, 25. It says, therefore, I say to you. That's right, you right there. Do not worry. Let me say that again. Do not worry about your life. 
And then Dr. Van said this. He said, Steve, how does Jesus tell us to deal with anxiety? And that got me thinking. And then he said this. He said, what do you expect Jesus to have said in that moment? I've got to be honest. I expected Jesus to say, you've got to pray to deal with worry. But that's not what Jesus said. He doesn't say that. He says in Matthew 6, 26, now listen to this. Look at the birds of the air. You see, anxiety and worry aren't always a prayer issue. Often it's a perspective issue. He said, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you, that's right, you, are you not? much more valuable than the birds. Which of you can worry? By worry, add one cubit to your stature. Then in the next verse, he says this. Why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. So how did Jesus deal with worry? He said two things. Look at the birds and look at the flowers. And when you do that, remember this. If your heavenly Father can care for the birds and the flowers, how much more does He love you and want to care for you? Friend, He sees what you're going through right now, and He's looking at you, and He's caring for you. And if you're in self-isolation, I would encourage you, especially you dear seniors, you open up those windows, you look at those birds, you look at those flowers, and remember there's a God in heaven that cares for you, and he loves you so much. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. It gives us this advice about dealing with fear. It says, there is no fear in love, because perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love. Friend, perfect love is not your love for God. Perfect love is God's love for you. And when you realize how much He loves you, how much He cares for you, it's that sense of love that will drive out fear. Because here's what fear and anxiety do. They rob you of perspective. But more importantly, they rob you of your perspective of God. Dr. Van, as we kept talking, he said to me, Steve, the Greek word for worry, and he's a New Testament Greek expert, he says, the best way to picture this word is like a suspension bridge. Has any of you ever walked on a suspension bridge? I've got a couple of pictures here. The first one is of a a suspension bridge in China. It's the world's longest. It's a thousand feet in the air. And as you can see, it is a pretty scary thing to walk on. It was designed by Israeli engineers. And you can probably see it's got a glass bottom. I mean, imagine walking across that. So I love that suspension bridge. But the one I love the most is this one. It's from Pakistan, and it's a pretty basic one. And still today, people use this suspension bridge, as you can see, in the Indus Valley. Now, can you imagine walking across that suspension bridge? 
Why did Jesus use the suspension bridge as a picture of worry? Because if you were to walk across that bridge, how many know? It would be pretty shaky. You'd be looking at the flood water. It would fill you with fear. I want to encourage you that in life, if things are a little shaky right now, don't be looking at what's going on around you or what could happen to you. You need to look to the end of that bridge and there you will see that Jesus is there. It says, fixing your eyes on Jesus. He is the author and finisher of your faith. He is the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. How many of you are grateful? We've got a strong foundation and a strong faith because we get our perspective on Jesus. I've got to be quick with this, but I heard a funny story this week about bridges, and I, I think we all need a little laugh. So are you ready for this at home? It's a dad joke. I'm a dad, and I love them. Are you ready for this? There were three men that were out hiking in the country, and they came across a violent flowing river, and they, were, they needed to get to the other side. And so the first man prayed, and he said, God, please give me the strength to make it across the river. And all of a sudden, poof, God gave him huge biceps and strong legs. And he swam for an hour and he made it across the river. So seeing this, the second man said, God, please give me the strength and the tools to make it across the river. And so God gave him a boat and he was able to row across that river in just 30 minutes. The third man saw this and then he prayed. He said, God, give me the strength, give me the tools and give me the intelligence to make it across the river. Are you ready for this? Poof. God turned him into a woman. She looked at the map, walked two minutes up the road, and she crossed the bridge. How many are grateful for all the women? I hope you enjoyed that over there. I found it funny anyway. So firstly, we have an unshakable foundation. Secondly, an unshakable faith. And thirdly, an unshakable future. Romans 15 verse 13 say this. Now. May the God of hope, I love that. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you, friend, that's right, those of you in prison, those of you watching at home, wherever you are, that you may abound in hope. There's never been a better opportunity for believers to abound with hope as this season. God is a God of hope and he's called us to abound in hope. On the screen you'll see a picture of a friend of mine. His name is Nick and I met him in Australia. And he has an unbelievable story. It's a very sad story to begin with. He, he was married and he was divorced and he met another girl and she got, he got cancer and so she left him. It took him a long time to get over that but he was involved in a relationship with a third girl and then tragically she broke off the relationship and he hit rock bottom. Maybe someone watching online right now, maybe you know what it's like to hit rock bottom. 
And this is what he did. He made the decision, that's it. It's over. He wanted to end it there and then. And so he decided to go to the highest point in Brisbane. And as far as he knew, it was a place called Mount Gravatt in Brisbane. So he punched in Mount Gravatt in his GPS. And at 5.30 in the afternoon on a Friday, he started to drive to Mount Gravatt to end his life. He was coming down Logan Road, and it should have taken him a little further, but it took him, the GPS directed him into a street called Tenby Street. It's only a short little road, but he went down Tenby Street, and he ends up in this massive car park. And in that car park, there are young people dressed in vests, and they've got wands like you see at an airport, and they start directing him. And there are so many people coming in that he doesn't know what to do. He gets out of his car. He's surrounded. He literally cannot get out of the car park. Steps out of his car, looks up. There's a huge cross. They've directed him into a church. Hillsong Church, Brisbane. And when he realized it was a church and people were thronging in, he said, God, I'm going to give you one last chance. Nick went into that service that night. He had an encounter with God. He met the Lord Jesus, believed in Him, and his life was unbelievably transformed. This is many years ago. His life was so transformed, he started to serve in the church. Not only did he serve in the church, he decided he wanted to help out other men that were doing it tough. Now, he was a smart man with technology. He built apps for one of the big banks in Australia. So here's what he did. He created an app and invited everyone, every man, to come fishing with him because he loved fishing. And he didn't reach out to Christians. He was reaching out to people who weren't Christians, weren't believers. And unbelievably, 120 men turned up to his little fishing group. And he was able to give them hope. I love that our God is a God of hope. That friend, if you feel like you're hitting rock bottom, when you hit rock bottom, the good news is there is a rock. There is an unshakable foundation. And he can change and transform your life. And if you will allow him, the God of hope will fill you with hope. And you will be able to bring hope to others. I would love to take a moment to pray for you, church. Why don't we all ask God to cause us to abound in hope? Father, I want to thank you for every person listening to me at the end of this message. I pray that they would fix their eyes on the God of hope, that they would reach out to you, and that right now you will fill them, that in this season may they abound with hope, in their families, to their friends, and to our cities across this nation and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. 
Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you. Thank you.